Let's just welcome all those that are joining us. I'm super pumped up today. Today, I want to talk to you about that parable, the powerful parable that Jesus taught in Mark chapter 4, the parable of the seed and the sower. The seed and the sower. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. The question is, what is a parable? We've been talking about this the last couple weeks about what is a parable. Let me just say it again. Parables are simple stories. They're illustrations of what? A moral or spiritual lesson. And again, Jesus taught this way. He taught through illustrations. In the gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus would often teach, whether it was on the hillside of around the Sea of Galilee or whether it was a moment with his disciples, he would teach in these illustrations. And they would create pictures, and they would often be from common, everyday situations and scenarios. A lamp and a lampstand. He would talk about different things that would depict something. By the way, the youngest of kids could get it, and the oldest of people. The power of simple stories and illustrations. Mark chapter 4 I want to talk to you today about, again, what people would call the parable of the sower, the sower and the seed, the seed and the sower. It's a very powerful one. I want to do qualify this. Several weeks ago when we began our series, Pastor Brett Fuller talked about, he talked about the parable of the mustard seed. Now that parable was about how the kingdom of God is like a seed and it expands and grows out. Many of you, many of you were inspired to share your faith, and, and there was like a multiplication going out. This week, it's different. It's not about the seed going out as much as the seed going within. The reality is, is that God wants to sow his seed, but he first wants his seeds, the seed of his word, to go within. Today, we're talking again about seeds. Jesus' most popular, I would say, parable, the parable of the sower. The sower and the seeds, the seed and the sower, which is found not only in two, but three times in the Gospels. One of the only parables that's actually found not once, not twice, but three times, both in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. While the parable of the mustard seed again spoke of scattering seeds going out. This one is different. The parable of the sower is about seeds going within. And it's interesting because Jesus really puts the focus of the Christian life right here. The focus is always on the inside. It's on the heart. Matter of fact, as I've walked with Christ for many decades, I, I realize that, and I don't want to forget this, I never want to forget this, but it's my responsibility of what goes into my heart. Because what goes into your heart comes out of your heart. What are you allowing to go into your heart? Here's what I found as a Christian, that you'll only rise according to what you allow to go into your heart. How many people, their lives have been shipwrecked because they've allowed the wrong things in their, come on, say it, heart. Today I want to talk to you about the parable of the sower. In this parable, Mark chapter 4, we'll pick up verse 1 to 9. Very powerful. Here it is. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. 
The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into the boat and sat in it out on the lake. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, oftentimes because of amplification, you, you have big crowds. Remember, they didn't have microphones. <laughs> they didn't have that. And so oftentimes speakers like here, there was such a large crowd. Jesus would get into the boat. He'd push out from the shore and his voice would be amplified over the water. How many times have you ever been fishing? It's crazy where you can actually hear somebody like maybe a half mile away. Why? Because the, the voice is amplified across the water. Very similar here. Large crowds of people here. And the Bible says in verse 2, he taught them many things by parables. In this teaching, he said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell among the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Number two, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly. We're going to talk about that. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. And still other seed fell on good soil. And it came up and it grew and it produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, I love this. This is important. Germane to this whole parable. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. As we come on the scene, Jesus is in a small boat and he pushes out from the shore. And it's interesting here. Jesus is showing what the kingdom of God looks like. He's in Capernaum, really kind of the launching pad of where his ministry was, a around that Sea of Galilee, and, and he's talking about how the kingdom of God operates. H how does the kingdom operate? The farmer lavishly and intentionally begins to scatter seed. He talks about a farmer, and he talks about sowing seed. And this farmer goes, and the farmer begins to sow seed. And it's interesting. It falls on a little bit of soil over here. It falls on another terrain here. It falls on another terrain here and another terrain here. The farmer scatters seeds, and the seeds fall indiscriminately, by the way, wherever they're sown. And begin to think about this. I begin to think about the person of who is sowing the seed. The person is Christ, and we understand the seed being the word of God. But what is the soil? A lot of times we, we talk about God being like a farmer, and we talk about the word of God being the seed of the word. But the emphasis here. It's not so much on the sower, it's not so much on, on the seed, but it's actually on the soil. It's on the heart. This parable, a lot of times I think that we miss it because we put such an emphasis. Of course, the Lord is the ultimate farmer and he's tending the ultimate crops. And we know the seed is the word of God. But the issue here is focused on how many times in our walk with God we have failed to realize, myself included, that, that, that the condition of our heart actually determines whether or not we're receiving and hearing the word. Jesus is concerned. He's concerned because not just the disciples, but the multitudes of people are gathering around him. He's sowing the seed. He's sowing the seed. He's the farmer. He's sowing the seed. But the question is, what is the condition of the heart? Our heart 
is the deepest part of who we are. It's where the Spirit of God comes to dwell. It's, it's where we hear God. The four soils represent four conditions of the heart. How is our heart? And interestingly enough, I just thought this was fascinating as I was studying this the last couple of weeks, that, that, that speaking of the heart, that there are spiritual ears that we have that are actually located in the heart. Now, let me say this. I want everybody, every location to hear me. Do you know that you have natural ears that auditorily connect with sound? But Jesus isn't talking just about that. He's talking about the human heart. Watch this. The deepest part of who we are. The spiritual side of who we are. We actually have spiritual ears. He who has ears, let them hear. You can hear sounds. You can have two people in church sitting right next to one another. They can hear the same preacher. They can hear the same message. But one hears the message in the heart. The other one just hears it in the ears. Question, what is your heart like today? As I walk with God over the years, I realize that my, the times in my life where I've grown exponentially, the times where I feel there's been more faith in my life, it always goes back to the condition of my heart. Question, how is your heart? I'm asking every location, how is your heart? Jesus gives us four conditions of the heart. Number one, the heart heart, the hardened heart or the calloused heart. Now it's interesting about this Mark chapter four, verse four. He, he, he explains, he states in one scripture, then he actually explains. It's the only parable that does this. He actually explains the parable. He states one aspect of it and then he actually explains it 11 verses later. Here's what he says. As he was scattering seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Look down in verse 15. He explains the seed falling on the path. Some people are like seed along the path. Where the word is sown, as soon as they hear it, Satan comes. Satan comes. You know every time you hear the word of God, there's spiritual warfare present. The Bible says that Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. The first soil Jesus speaks of is the calloused or the hardened heart. The calloused or the hardened heart. Who are these people? They hear the word, yet it doesn't penetrate their heart. They, they hear the word. I'm talking about auditorily. They hear sounds. They hear the word, but the word doesn't go. It doesn't go from the head. It doesn't go from the ear physiologically. It doesn't get into the heart. There's a, their, their heart is it's hardened. And, and the Bible says that, see, the seeds, when you see seeds that go on hard ground, it's it's that seed is it's it's prey to the enemy and that bird can come and just take it why because it doesn't penetrate the heart what's so interesting about this the 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 bible says that the the birds come and they pluck the word away now the birds symbolize the enemy of our souls who's very busy stealing the word of God out of people's hearts, out of people's minds there's warfare every time you go to church there's warfare you guys know that's true I mean, when you make a decision to go to church, there's warfare, right? You got to get the kids. You got to find out where all the socks are. You look in the dryer and there's one sock. Where did the other sock go? It went to hell. I don't know where the other sock went. How can you put two socks in one dryer and one is like swallowed up? 
You got kids, you got, you're, you're trying to get them ready. And it's like, I mean, there's always something. Why? There's warfare when you decide I'm going to go to church. There's warfare walking into church. The, I mean, there's warfare trying to get in the parking lot at some of the locations. There's warfare all around us. Why? Because the enemy knows the word of God. If the word of God penetrates your heart, life transformation takes place. Many people get tripped up with deep philosophical questions. I often wonder why somebody's heart is hard. They get caught up with deep philosophical questions about life. It hinders the receiving of the word. For example, human suffering. They look around, they see so much pain, they see so much suffering, they think, my gosh, if there's so much human tragedy, so much pain, I mean, how, 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 is, how is there a God? As if God is behind causing all the pain. He's not. There's an antagonist. There, there is a real devil. There's, we've, we've, we live in a broken, fallen world. I, I begin to think about all the different, I don't know, the stumbling blocks that people have. Well, you know what? It's because of the hypocrites. And the reason why I don't serve God is because there's so many hypocrites in church as if that person is perfect, right? No, no, we're all imperfect people. We're in process. We're walking with Jesus. But don't ever let somebody else's mistake cause you to deny the reality of God's existence. Matter of fact, some of you may, if I mentioned this name, you would know this name. There's a very famous atheist, if I can say it that way. And um, this, this very well-known atheist, I would actually call him kind of a, an evangelist for atheism as a young boy. He figured out as a teenager, he thought, you know what, that the world can be explained without God, that science doesn't need God, but the reality is if you go behind and you unpack his heart, can I tell you what happened? He was actually abused by a religious teacher at school, and the pain of that was so great that in his mind, he can't believe there's a God if that teacher hurt him that way. By the way, wherever there is heat, there's always hurt. Wherever there's hurt, there's always heat. Matter of fact, when you begin to look at some of the most famous atheists and the conundrum of the mind, because why? Because there was a disappointment, there was a hurt, there was a pain, they couldn't figure it out. And how can a good God up in heaven allow me to be in such pain? Can I tell you, we live in a broken, fallen world. And there's a real devil that hates people, that wants to kill, steal, and destroy but we have a good God that wants to help us out of those problems. How many are grateful that God wants to help us in this life? When people experience disappointments and disillusionment, they often attribute that to God as being the cause, which is not true. Christian writer G.K. Chesterton said, when a man stops believing in God, he doesn't then believe in nothing, he believes in anything. And that's exactly what happens. People are calloused in their hearts towards God. The soil of their heart is hardened. Why? Because of all of these things, and now they're open to anything. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 4, Paul says to the church at Corinth, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbeliever so that they cannot see the light of the gospel and the display of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Because of calloused hearts and blinded minds. Now here's the good news. When we surrender our heart to Christ, when mankind finally yields their heart to God and they quit trying to be God themselves, can I tell you something? They're gloriously born again. We receive the Holy Spirit and our eyes are opened up. And maybe that's where you are. Maybe you have a hardened heart because there's been pain and I'm so sorry about the pain and the hurt. You're like, but I'm going to tell you, God wants to heal your heart. God wants to give you a new heart. Number one is the hardened heart. Some seed falls on hardened soil. 
And the birds come and take it away. Number two, the second condition of the heart is this. It's the rocky soil or what I would call the wounded heart. Mark chapter 4, verse 5, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly. There was, a, there was an immediate response, but the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root in them. Explaining the rocky soil, Jesus goes on, Mark chapter 4, verse 16. Others like seed sown on rocky places. Watch this. They hear the word and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root in them, they last only for a short time. Two important words. But when trouble or persecution comes. Wow. Because of the word's sake, they quickly fall away. The rocky soil doesn't speak of calloused hard hearts, but wounded hearts. The seed of God's word springs up quickly, but the roots aren't deep. When the sun comes out, when trouble and persecution come, watch us, they begin to wither. Why? Because the roots don't go down deep. It's not a hardened heart, it's a wounded heart. This person with a wounded heart has experienced deep pain in their life. Deep hurt. Deep disillusionment. They hear the message of Jesus. They, 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 they kind of believe a little bit. But the reality is when the word of God starts going, they want to believe. This is not a hardened person. This is not somebody that's against God. They really want to believe. They, they, they show up. They'll, they'll, they'll come to church and, and they'll hear a message. And in that message, they'll be like, yes. But because that, that, that seed, it, it's the wound of their heart becomes so big sometimes, it overwhelms the seed. I'll say it this way. The fear in their life because of the trouble they've experienced in life overwhelms their faith. Wow. We get hit with something, heavy loss. Our hearts get traumatized. There's a loss of a loved one. There's a, there's a pain that takes place and we, we can get stuck. People can get stuck right there. And if our hearts are not healed... If we don't allow the Holy Spirit to heal our hearts, if we don't allow the Spirit of God to heal us and we get in community where we can walk with our brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm telling you, right there, right there, at that point, it's the person that goes up and down and up and down. Why is that? Because they receive the Word, but the Word gets, it gets, it gets so mangled up in that wounded heart. God wants to heal traumatized hearts. Where there's no longer a disintegration of the mind and soul, but there's an integration. Where you can breathe again, spiritually speaking. Where you can think again normally. I've talked to some people that have gone through deep loss and pain. And they've actually said, Pastor Steve, I can't make sense of anything in my life right now. Yeah. The Bible also says it's because of trouble or persecution. At times our, our hearts can be rocky, not because of trauma, but because of tribulation. Not because of pain, but because of persecution. And that's kind of where we are, I think, even in our culture today. It costs us something to follow Jesus. It costs us more than often, more than often what some people are willing to pay. <laughs> well, I'll follow Jesus if it's convenient. I'll follow Jesus when you used to get extra credit in our culture. But today, you don't get extra credit for being a Christian in our culture. 
So it costs. And, and, and the Bible says, for the word's sake, persecution comes because of your values. Now you're, you're assimilating kingdom values into your life. And so now it's like, that hurts. And I, I want to be in. And I, wait, I can't be in? If I say I'm a Christian, I can't be in anymore? I can't be in the group? I mean, I can't be in that club. Well, y'all don't want, well, you know, after all, you have different values. Wait, time out. And that's painful. And, and what happens to that person is when they, start, when they start feeling the heat for following Christ, the Bible says they, they have joy, but then they back away. It's a rocky heart. Wow. So sometimes our hearts are rocky because of trauma. Sometimes our hearts can be rocky because of persecution. Number one, there's a calloused heart. I, I remember what it was like before I came to Christ. I, my heart was hard to God. I wasn't a Christian, and I had all these questions and all these challenges, but when I got born again, my, God gave me a new heart. And I've also known as I've walked with Jesus where there's been times in my life where I've gone through great trouble. And I, I believe my heart was traumatized. As a matter of fact, I had a very dear friend. I went through a Trouble. He, by the way, he was going through a traumatic time in his life. And I've taught you guys this for years. Just, just remember this. Remember, hurt people hurt people. Whenever you get hurt by somebody, just remember, if you go behind the scenes, kind of if you can get behind the curtains, just remember, they're going through pain themselves. And I went through the situation with this individual. They were going through a very traumatic situation. They totally flipped on me, totally turned. I felt completely betrayed. I was actually trying to help them in the scenario and it was, I couldn't, I, I actually, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that before. I literally couldn't believe it was happening. You ever been there before? I thought, wait a minute, this is not happening right now. I'm trying to help you. You're going through trouble. Now it's flipped around and I become a bad person and I'm actually trying to help you. And now you're talking about me. And I was so rocked by that. I actually was, I couldn't believe I was so shaken by that. It really affected me. I, I called a counselor. I said, I talked to my pastors, and, and, and I had a process. And I, with it, and I said, man, I, I, I don't know. What, how, why did that affect me so much? He goes, Steve, you love deeply, so you can actually get set up to get hurt deeply. By the way, we can't ever stop loving deeply. <laughs> we, we can't ever, oh, that's what I'm just going to keep. By the way, every time you keep people out, guess what? You're also in prison within. It took me a little while to go through that. Now I thank God that God is a restorer of traumatized hearts, that, that, that God can heal broken hearts. That as we go through the process of grieving, we allow the Holy Spirit to get on the inside of us and to heal us and restore us. So, so maybe that's where you are. Number one, there are those that have a calloused, hardened heart. Maybe because of a philosophical idea or a pain as a child, you've rejected God. And God wants to reach out to you today. He is, and he wants you to be saved. He wants to know you. Maybe number two, it's a traumatized heart. This is a person that's not rejecting God. They just can't. They just can't. The word can only go so deep because of the trauma. God wants to heal you. Let me give you number three. The third thing that I see here, the third condition of the heart is the thorny soil or the distracted heart. Look at this, Mark, Mark chapter 4, verse 7. Jesus addressed the third type of soil. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so they did not hear again. I love the parable of the sower. Some call it the seed in the sower, the sower in the seed. I love this because, because Jesus, only this parable, at this level, let me say it this way, does he explain it? Look at this, he goes, verse 18. 
He's given us his, he's given us his explanation. Still others. Verse 18, like seed sown among thorns, parable of the sower. Hear the word, but three things. Number one, the worries of this life. Number two, the deceitfulness of wealth. And number three, the desire for other things. Come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. This is not a calloused or a wounded heart, but a distracted and crowded heart. Wow. Jesus is speaking of those who constantly have the eyes of their heart fixed on the worries of life, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. I, I call it this way. Here's what I call it. The person that has what I would call a distracted heart. The Bible calls it a thorny soil, a distracted heart. Watch this. Their, their problem is worry, wealth, and wandering desires. Let's talk about worry just for a moment. This heart, distracted by worry, forgets God's power to make the impossible possible. They start doing life on their own terms. They act on their own behalf. They forget that God is the God that can help them. And, and, and Listen, here it is. It's the woulda, coulda, shoulda person. You know what I'm talking about? I've, I've been there before, by the way. This is, I have a very active imagination, which means, I mean, I can really imagine things. My brain can just, I have to, and, and what happens is you can allow your mind to worry. By the way, the word worry does mean divided. That's what it does mean. It means, it means to, to divide the mind. That's actually what worry means. And when, a, when somebody is fixated on worrying, their mind is actually divided and they become double-minded. And the person that worries a lot, and, and I've struggled with this quite honestly, I, 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 I'm not a person really struggles on the depression side. I've, I very rarely ever get, but I'm a person that would struggle more on the anxious side, the worry side. And my mind can start moving and I, and I can, well, what about this? And what about that? And what about this? And, and my wife told me this one time, she goes, you can think up so quickly and strategically the most negative possible outcomes. I went, that kind of hurt. But anyway, it's true. Is that how you are? You ever been like that before? Well, Jesus said, the person, watch this. Now, we all, we have thoughts, but I'm talking about somebody that fixates on worry. He says, it's worry that actually can strangle the word. Number two, it's a deceitfulness of wealth. Now, let me qualify something. The Bible talks about wealth in interesting terms. I've said this for many times. Wealth and money is a wonderful tool. God blesses people. God puts resources in people's hands to steward. The problem with wealth is not a resource to help people. The problem is when wealth gets in your heart, and the Bible calls that the deceitfulness of wealth. In other words, when you actually make wealth itself God and not God himself. In other words, when you look to wealth to be your security rather than God. Wow. Number one is worry. Number two, the deceitfulness of wealth. And watch the other one, wandering desires. Sometimes it's just the things of life, the cares of life, the, the things that distract us, the times that we want other things in our lives, and, and we, we wander, and, and I'd like this, and I'd like that. And the Bible says Jesus is so clear. He says that can crowd your heart. Let, let me give you an example. Here's how it works. So if you're in church and you hear a message from a pastor, 
And wherever it is, or you're watching somebody, or wherever it is, and, and, you, and, you, and, you, and you hear a message, if you're so distracted by the worries and the cares of life, if you're so distracted by the latest toy, or the latest chair, or the, if you're so distracted by other things, can I tell you something? What happens is it actually chokes out the ability for the Word of God to penetrate to the core of your heart. It just stays in the mind. And it becomes, you guys know that, that machine uh, when you go like the arcades as kids. And you know that thing where the, where the air is blowing and, and, and you've got the, the, the balls that are blowing. Can I tell you something? That's what happens with thoughts. Let me tell you something. They don't take root in the heart. Worry, desire for other things. Am I going to get this? What about by? And all the while, God is, God is, you're in the Bible study or you're in a small group or you're waking up doing your devotionals mind. Your mind is going back and forth and back and forth. And God, God is, Jesus is talking about the soil that's thorny. Question, what thorns have you allowed into your life that are choking out the power of God's word? Wow. The calloused heart, the wounded heart, and the thorny heart. Now, here's the good news. Let me give you this last condition of the heart. This is where we want to, hey, hey, by the way, this is where we want our heart located. It's the good soil. I call it the receptive heart. This is going to blow you guys away. Watch this math. Mark chapter 4, verse 8. Still other seed fell on good ground. Good soil. Everybody say good soil. It came up, it grew, and it produced a crop. Some 30, some 60, and some 100 times. He further interprets the good soil. Mark chapter 4, verse 20. Watch this. Others like seed sown on good soil. Don't miss this. I want everybody, every location to lean in. They hear the word. Remember this. Your spiritual ears are actually located in your heart. They hear the word. They accept it. And they produce a crop. Oh, don't miss this, church. Some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. Think of that. A seed producing 100 times. Jesus is speaking here of the healthy soil of our hearts. By the way, I just want to give everybody a little statistic here. A normal crop produces three to six times the number of seeds sown. That's it, three to six times. 30 to one is amazing. 60 to 1 is astronomical. 100 to 1? It's miraculous. How many know God's seed is better than miracle grow? Come on. How many know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's miraculous. I say this as your pastor. The problem's not the sower, God. The problem's not the seed, the word. The issue is the receptivity of our hearts. Is it calloused? Is it wounded? Is it thorny, crowded? Wow. Here's the key. Jesus is saying we have a responsibility to keep our heart receptive and responsive. I love this scripture, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart. Church, can I, can I say that to you? I want everybody, those that are watching online, I, can I say this? The writer of Proverbs is so clear here. He says, above all else. In other words, of utmost importance, right here, 
Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. For everything you do, everything you do flows out of your heart. The word there for guard is much more than putting it under lock and key. It's actually the Hebrew word nasar, and it means to tend and to keep it like a vineyard. It's actually the same concept when God put Adam in the midst of the garden, Genesis 2.15, and he told him to tend, tend the garden. It's the same concept, tend the heart, tend the heart, tend the heart. God gives us a new heart, but we've got to tend the heart. What are we allowing into our hearts? We've got to tend the heart. How do we know if our heart's good soil? It's simply this. I'll close with this. It's a simple question, friends. How, how do we know if our heart's a good heart? How, how do we know if it's a good heart? Here, here it is. It's when we hear the word, do we receive and believe it? I want everybody to hear what I'm about to say. When you hear the word, when you, when you auditorily, I'm going to use that word, when the word is heard in the natural ear, watch this, does it get to the spiritual ear in your heart and do you receive it? Do you receive it? The Greek word here is actually the word akuo, and it means to listen with ears of faith and obey. So in other words, when we hear the word of God, that, that's why verse 9 is so powerful. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Whoever has ears to hear. Let me tell you, we live in a distracted culture. We live in a distracted age. All of us are good. There's such a temptation to be distracted. And that's why Jesus says, whoever has ears to hear. It's not just natural ears. It's the ears of the heart. The heart, not just the heart receives it. Actually, biblically hearing is, the biblical concept of hearing is actually receiving. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. It's faith comes actually by receiving the word. Can the word get in your heart? So question, here it is. I'll close with this. Number one, is your heart calloused? And maybe you're an atheist. Maybe you're watching me right now. Maybe you're at one of our locations. Let me just tell you something. Jesus loves you. He did not do that to you as a kid. He's trying to help you in your pain, get out of it and heal you. He's not the one that caused it. Maybe your heart's callous because of that. Number two, maybe your heart's wounded. Maybe you do come to church and, and maybe you'll hear the word and, and there's a joy, but, but there's so much confusion because of what you've walked through, because of trouble and persecution, the Bible says. And your heart, the, the, the soils just become rocky because of that. It springs up, but it doesn't, it doesn't ever go deep. Or maybe it's thorny. Maybe it's a crowded heart. I know that's where my heart can be at times. I, I allow things in my life to crowd out or, or maybe... Maybe you feel like, Pastor, I'm, I'm right in the zone. <laughs> I mean, I'm receiving the word. I'm obeying the word. I'm receiving the word. Well, let me just say this. All of us, all of us as Christians can have number two and number three from time to time. All of us. All of us. I want to finish with two things. Number one, I want to focus on the person with the wounded heart. I want to pray for you. And then I'm going to talk about those, number one, that have never received Christ. Maybe you've, you're a Christian and you've walked with Jesus, but yet you've come to a point in your life because of the wounds of the past, even the wounds of the present, it's just constricting, I may call it the life flow of God's spirit. In other words, you're just, you're not growing the way because of the trauma of your heart. I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but can I just everybody bow their heads right now? 
I just sense the Holy Spirit wants to heal people right now. If you feel comfortable, maybe just put your hand over your chest, just by yourself, over your own chest, and just, and I just want to pray, Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, if you feel comfortable, just say this. Say, say Jesus, just say this. Say, I pray in your name that the Holy Spirit heals my heart from the wounds of the past and the present. Just wait right there. Holy Spirit, I pray for healing, your healing presence right now. God, I thank you that you're going right now into the depths of people's hearts and souls, healing them, restoring the joy of their salvation. Thank you, Holy Spirit. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you don't know Christ. Maybe you've never come to a point where you've trusted Jesus as your Savior. I want to pray for you right now. I'm not going to embarrass you. Wherever you are, whatever location you're at right now, I want to just pray for you right now. If you say, Pastor, pray for me, I'm not sure about my relationship with God. I've never really surrendered my heart to Jesus, and I want to know that I know that I'm right with God. You can know that. I can't save you. Being a member of a church can't save you. I tell you, you can. His name is Jesus. He loves you. He'll give you a new heart. He'll give you a new life. He'll give you a new reason to live. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. The counter through, I'm just going to ask for a show of hands. If you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I need the blood of Christ to wash me, to cleanse me, and to make me new. If that's you at the counter through, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand up high at the counter through. One, two, three. Quickly hold your hand up high so I can see it. Let me pray. Let's just pray together. Church, let's pray all of those that are responding. Let's just pray together. Say, dear Jesus, come on, everyone louder. Dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say this. Say, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap? Come on, we just bless the Lord. Wow, what a powerful message today. And I just wanna know, are you making a decision to give your life to Jesus today? If that is you, we just wanna say a big congratulations. We're excited for you. And you know, from my heart to yours, we're proud of you. We really believe that that's the best decision that you could ever make. And as your church family, our heart is to, to come alongside you and to walk with you on this new journey of following Jesus. In fact, it's not the finish line, it's the starting line of an amazing life with Christ. And we just wanna give you some resources to help you walk in victory. So if you would, wouldn't mind, text the word decision to the numbers 822-822 or click the link in the chat room if you just made that decision. And we'd love to just follow up with you and to give you some more resources as you're beginning your new life with Christ. Well, with that being said, our service is coming to a close, but we are excited to continue our series called Parables next weekend. It's gonna be so good, but I enjoyed spending some time with you today at church. We can't wait to see you here next week, same time, same place. Have an amazing week. We love you and we'll see you soon.